Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Hello, my name is Noah Festenstein, and you are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the 132nd edition of such, and the 25th edition here at Radio DePaul Sports. Back in summer of 2016, I started the Money Man of Sports Talk program with WHCM 88.3 FM, Harper College Radio, and now here it is right now. Uh, this is where I want it to be. This is everything that I have imagined that college radio is all about, being here, doing sports talk, and having fun with it. And now here I am with a new approach. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the way I've always imagined Monday Mana Sports Talk to be. So here we go. Let's get it going right now with Monday Mana Sports Talk. Monday Mana Sports Talk. Talking the latest in Chicago and sports news. We'll probably define this story as one of the, if not the, number one comeback story in sports. Inviting you to join me, Noah Festenstein, every Monday from 11 to 12 on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Everything's kind of turned around. The pitching has turned around. The offense has been producing enough to be very well acclaimed. And now here I am with this week's edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. Live from One East Jackson, my name is Noah Festenstein with Monday Madness Sports Talk right here Radio DePaul Sports, RadioDePaulSports.com, and the Radio DePaul app. Welcoming it into the 132nd edition of Monday Mana Sports Talk. And I am so stoked to be back on with you guys to this week. It is the May 5th, or sorry, not the May. It is May 20th, 2019. And I would love to have all of you listeners right here, RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app in for this session of MMST. We got a lot planned for you today, or at least I got a lot planned for you today. We're going to get into some baseball in just a second. Then after baseball, I got some bears, some football as well, and then I got some whip segment. So we're going to put that football talk in the whip segment, then get into some maybe some golf. Uh, Tiger Woods had a pretty bad week, and I want to talk about that one. And also Chicago Wolves hockey, AHL hockey. Chicago hockey is kind of squandered a bit since the Blackhawks are in the playoffs, so I want to touch upon some Chicago Wolves. Also, at 11.30, we got some NHL playoffs and some NBA playoffs. I'm going to continue NBA talk through the 11.40 uh, minute as we're going to talk about the NBA draft and uh, what the Bulls, what their situation looks like. Uh, So that's that. That's this episode. I'm so excited to get it off starting right this week on Radio DePaul Sports. So let's get it going. I'm going to start off with a little audio clip. Uh, This is Chris Bryant going deep three times. Chris Farley on ice. Chris Bryant in the air. It's well hit, and it is gone into the bullpen. Couple of insurance runs. It's 5-2. to two. In the air off the bat of Bryant. Lamar. Number two tonight. 
A majestic towering blast for his 10th of the year. Drilled out into deep left. who decided to hang around until the end just were rewarded so the, Chris Farley on the, the downside of having uh, my phone play the audio is I get notifications so I apologize about that background sound but it's okay you guys got the point Chris Bryant went deep three times in three consecutive innings the first time that a cub did that and the second time the cub did a cub did that in Cubs history the last time that it happened was Sammy Sosa in 2002. Uh, do I know how I remember that? Um, it's because I was actually at that game. I don't know how. I was only five years old, but that was one of the first Cubs games I've ever went to. And one of my most memorable moments is Sammy Sosa going deep three times. And that was in 2002. I was at that game. No joke. I remember it. I cannot lie to you anymore. Uh, I can't lie to you. I just can't, and I'm telling you the truth. I was at that game. So um, that's not how I know the statistic, but when I figured out the statistic, I looked back and I was like, I remember a game where Sammy Sosa went deep three times in that many innings. I remember my dad talking about it after the game, and that was the game I went to. I was sitting on the third base side, and I remember that. And I also went to a game where Cubs hit the Cubs hit two grand slams, the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm actually really excited because Wednesday I'm going to the Cubs game and I got some good seats um, right on the first baseline, right like sixth row or something like that. And I got that those seats because I wanted to see Bryce Harper up close as the Cubs are about to face the Phillies for a three-game set at Wrigley. I'm going to get into that in just a sec, but I want to talk about, um, like I've been talking about the past two weeks, uh, the heavy contributions on behalf of Chris Bryant and what he's been doing as well, and some other players that I want to kind of name some statistic lines to you. Uh, I'm going to start off with that of Chris Bryant. Right, That was his 11th home run of the season uh, after hitting three. So he started off with eight, then he hit his ninth, his 10th, and 11th in three consecutive innings. Uh, he's got a batting average of 272, so a slash line uh, right now as we speak. Um, he's got, well, hold on. It's not giving me a direct slash line, so it's a 272 average, .402 on base percentage, a .562 slugging. Um, this has been the best I think he's been performing, um, at, at least average to this point of the season, but you got to expect going forward that Chris Bryant is only going to stay consistent as long as he stays healthy. Because remember last year when Chris Bryant was having his shoulder problems, you can tell he was having his shoulder problems from an exponential standpoint as he kept playing. Uh, Chris Bryant never really showed his full potential with that injury, which is why last year was kind of a struggle for him. Now, this year is different, and he's proving so because he's been able to produce a slash line to the extent that I just told you guys that he's been performing so well. Um, I think it's amazing, as, as well as what Anthony Rizzo has done. Anthony Rizzo right now, He's got a 245 batting average. Now, it's not that great of a batting average right now, but what? In the past few games, he's been pretty much hitting the ball right where he needs to. Uh, 
it's just what you need to see out of your two leaders on this team. Um, Anthony Rizzo went deep, I believe, yesterday. And it's only going to continue. Um, just the chemistry. I talk a lot about this Cubs team as the chemistry. Um, moving forward, if this chemistry stays consistent, everything's going to fall in place. Uh, in terms of the Cubs having to produce runs and maintaining that through their defense. Uh, you saw some great defense yesterday in the past few series. Uh, a lot of that has been catalyzed by Javier Baez, who left yesterday's game with an apparent injury. Um, he left Sunday game with a right heel contusion, uh, which isn't a terrible <laughs> um, injury, but it looks as so we might have to sit him out for a couple games. Um, so that... It's fine. I, I was very scared when I, I I was at work at the time when I got the notification that Javier Baez left the game. It's always a very scary thought. You don't know what's going on. Uh, but he was playing through the pain. And uh, I believe when Javier Baez was on base, um, he was kind of limping a little bit, trying to play through the pain, but they took him out. Um, actually, um, on behalf of Jesse Rogers, um of ESPN Chicago Cubs, he tweeted out, say, uh, I believe yesterday, last night, yeah, he said, Baez expects to play tomorrow. Uh, he posted a video himself about it. Uh, he didn't know that um, Arietta is pitching today. <laughs> so Jake Arietta is pitching today, and Chris Bryant apparently, or not Chris Bryant, sorry, Javier Baez wants to play. He wants to, he wants to bat against Arietta, supposedly. Um, but I would be careful. I mean, a contusion, basically the equivalent to that of a bruise. It's a bruise on the bone, so it's it, it, it could um keep, it could slow him down a little bit, and that's what I'm scared about with Javier Baez. I wouldn't play him. I w if I was Javier Baez, I would not play it in today's game. I, just really to tell you the value, the extreme value of what Javier Baez is. Um, you don't want to play those risks, especially when you at this point of the season near when we're, you know, a third of the way about of the season, you cannot afford any injury, especially to a guy like Javier Baez. Um, so the Cubs right now, as I as I mentioned, um, they're going into a three game set against the Philadelphia Phillies at home. Uh, I believe that's a three game set, is it not? Um, let's see here. So the Phillies and Cubs play tonight, 7.05. Jake Arrieta is starting. Um, I believe who else is starting for the Cubs tonight? So I'm going to check up on that and check up on a couple other uh, stats. And I want to also play you some audio from uh, Kyle Schrober's insane at bat he had uh, on Friday night against the Nationals. I'm going to play that audio in a second. Uh, but before that, I want to announce who's the starting pitchers tonight. So, yes, Jake Arrieta versus you Darvish. All right, let's see what you Darvish can do against this Philadelphia offense. Um, also, so tomorrow, Tuesday, it's going to be Jose Quintana versus Eflin. Uh, and then on Wednesday, I'm just finding out, it's going to be Cole Hamels versus Irvin. Um, so that's a, I'm, that's good for me. I really want to see Cole Hamels pitch. So that's going to be fun to watch. Um, so I'm really looking forward to what the Cubs do in certain series, because this is the first of, I think, the series that the Cubs will be playing against Philadelphia, because then they play, I think, a four, three or four-game set 
um, later in the season um, at, in Philadelphia. I think it's later this month, actually, um, or next month, per se. Um, but the Phillies, um, they're, try- they're fighting for a top spot in the NL East. And the Cubs are still uh, up ahead just by a smidge uh, in the NL Central by the game count of one and a half ahead of the Brewers. And the Cardinals have fallen behind a little bit, um, especially compared to last week when they were like, what, two games behind? Um, their last 10 games, they've gone three and seven. The Brewers have gone five and five in the last 10, and the Cubs have gone six and four in their last 10. So looking forward to having um, kind of solid production on that end. Um, I'm going to get into White Sox in a second, but before I, I do that, uh, I want to play the audio from Kyle Schwarber's 13 pitch at bat, uh, which was absolutely insane. Um, if anybody doesn't know the amount of energy used on behalf of the pitcher and even the hitter to face off on a 13 pitch at bat, um, that's absolutely insane. So here, here's, here it is. So that's one pitch, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, he takes a pitch, and then here it comes. Runner goes, and they drive the other way, deep left, and it is gone, what an The 13th pitch on a Friday. So that was the 13th pitch at bat against Kyle Schwarber. I mentioned that Kyle Schwarber took a 2-2 pitch um, for a ball on the 12th pitch. Which is very important to to note because when you when you look at that type of pitch, and you kind of square up, he's been fouling what he fouled off like six straight pitches before that, and that's to stay alive. And then you look at a pitch, you square up, you rest for a pitch, and then boom, there you go, a home run. Goes to show how much energy. Uh, is used during an at-bat. And I wanted to make that point up before I ended my Cubs discussion here because how important it is to extend an at-bat and understand that you have to tire out the pitcher in order for the pitcher to have to throw strikes. Uh, and Kyle Schwarber did that, especially on that 3-2 pitch. Threw a strike right into the wheelhouse of Kyle Schwarber and boom, right to left center field uh, where Schwarber likes to hit it best. Opposite field home runs. Um, it's crazy. I love it. I love it. That's just how a, a batter should ideally face a pitcher is to de-energize the pitcher and understand that you yourself have to uh, make the most out of your at-bat, and that's what Kyle Schwarber did, so I want to show that off. Okay, so that's Cubs talk today. Um, I'm going to get into some White Sox. So the White Sox right now are in the AL Central – they're third place, and they're eight and a half games back um, of the AL Central. I think that's two games back compared to last week's um, episode. So they were six and a half last week. Now they're eight and a half this week. They're twenty-one and twenty-four. So I look at that record and I say to myself, "What's the goal for the end season here for the White Sox?" And the White Sox, what I said at the beginning of the season, they should really shoot for an, a five hundred season and really, really understand that with the development of a season. And, like, with their betterment from past years to now, 
um, is only growing a culture. And I said that last week, and I'm keep saying it over and over again for this White Sox team when I only have so much time to talk about them, is that their growing culture is only better with the better record that they have. And at this point of the season, this is the best record that they've had compared to other any other seasons about third way through the season. 21 and 24, they're only three games back of 500. So why not go for a 500 season for the White Sox? I'm confident that for you White Sox fans listening, you should understand that this is a very important season, even regardless if they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, the White Sox, um, their players, I, I think Yoan Moncada is absolutely killing it right now. The pitching staff is a little bit... Um, I don't know what the right word for it. Just, I mean, not healthy at the least. Um, from literal and figurative standpoint, they aren't having consistency. You got one pitcher going out, uh, pitching a great game in the next game. It's not going to be the same. Uh, that's just the White Sox for you, and they just need. It's just kind of like day in and day out. You know, one day you need so much offensive production, the other day you need more pitching. Um, it's just those inconsistencies are going to cause for more losses than wins. Uh, so the White Sox have to fix those inconsistencies in order to want to have a 500 season. So that's the White Sox for you, and that's baseball for you. I, I mean, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the standings uh, in the AL East. You got a game, or a half a game ahead is the Yankees. They finally pass, surpass the Tampa Bay Rays for the sole possession of the AL East division. Now the AL Central, the Twins are four and a half games in front of the Indians, who are four, um, four games in front of the White Sox. So the Indians are trying to come back against the Twins, who have a 30-16 and 16 record. In the AL West, we got the Astros up in front, eight and a half games. They uh, are the first team in baseball history, or not the third team in baseball history, I think the first time since 1955 to um, before, I don't know how, X games, I think it's before... June 1st, it is. So before the date of June 1st, they're the third team in MLB history to have two separate 10-game winning streaks. That's insane. I I don't know. I, I, I think that's just a recipe for success. Obviously, with the Astros having this type of season so far, you're going to have to expect them to go very far this season. And now they're eight and a half games in front of the AL West. I mean, come on, give them the AL West title already. All right, going into the National League, we got the Phillies up in half, up in front, two and a half games against the Braves, who are up against six and a half against the Mets. Um, so the Phillies and Braves are going to be the ones fighting for that NL East title. The NL Central, as I've mentioned, the Cubs are in front, one and a half games, who are uh, against the Brewers, who are up in front against the third place Pirates, who are three games behind the Cubs. So the Pirates are now a team to look forward to in the NL Central. The NL West, finally. The Los Angeles Dodgers are five and a half games in front of the Arizona Diamondbacks. The uh, LA Dodgers are 31 and 17, and they've been playing some good ball of late. So uh, their, their start of the season was a little bit inconsistent, but now they're starting to find their groove, which is a little bit scary in the National League. All right, so I spent a little bit more time than I expected here at baseball because that's okay. I really want to talk about baseball. I think that should make up for the most of the show. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Bears. Uh, I'm probably going to skip golf today because I'm not going to find time for that. But I wanted to mention that in golf, Tiger Woods with a plus five in the PGA uh, Championships this past weekend did not make the cut to make the final rounds. So Tiger Woods could not get a major in this one at least. 
um, which is a little disheartening considering he's coming back off a win, um, and that's very important for him to have that response. So, hey, that's my golf talk for you. <laughs> um, so we'll get into the whip segment starting in about a minute. This is Radio DePaul Sports. You are listening to Noah Festenstein, myself, with Monday Man at Sports Talk. On until about 11.55 today, uh, I hope you, the listener, are enjoying this show so far. And uh, can't wait to get back and get into the whip segment right here. Stay tuned. 60 seconds. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin. And deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. Alrighty, welcome back to Monday Man of Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, and this is 11.20 a.m., uh, and uh, you know what time it is. It's the whip segment. Today I um, have a little bit of an earlier start uh, in the whip segments because usually I do it um, at the beginning of the show, but uh, I have to play oh, you my intro pie, here. Uh, can I have a piece? Uh, sure. Ooh, let me have some of that cool whip. What'd you say? You can't have a pie without Cool Whip. Cool Whip? Cool Whip, yeah. You mean Cool Whip? Yeah, Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. You're saying it weird. Why are you putting so much emphasis on the H? What are you talking about? Just saying it. Cool Whip. You put Cool Whip on pie. Pie tastes better with Cool Whip. Say Whip. Whip. Now say Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. You're eating hair! Alrighty, let's get it to it. So the Bears today, uh, on their social media, announced... Um, since it is their 100th annual season, um, that they might as well make a top 100 player list. Uh, and they posted today the first 25 on that list, so one, from 100 to 76, uh, they named. And I want to review that for you right now. So, um, to start it off, I want to just talk about the notables. I'm not going to talk about every name. I'm not going to even list any of all the names. But notables are that of... Eddie Jackson is the 96th uh, pick. Um, and by the way, to mention, uh, the Chicago Bears Centennial Scrapbook, um, which is highlighted by Hall of Fame writers Dan Pompey and Don Pearson. So those guys are the ones who made this list. Uh, so Eddie Jackson's 96th. Um, let's see who else. So, yeah, so safety, Eddie Jackson. And then um, I want to talk about number 85. And I'm glad that he's kind of on this list, so it's up for discussion. Um, and I don't know if anybody agrees with this pick, but Jay Cutler is nine, as 85th uh, on this list. He's the first quarterback, I believe, to be on the list. Um, so I understand maybe a lot of people don't think he should be on this list considering there's a lot of notables in the Chicago Bears' illustrious history of 100 years. But you kind of have to think about 
Jay Cutler and his contributions in being a quarterback at a time during a rebuild and a regrowth of culture uh, in Chicago Bears football lure. Uh, and Jay Cutler, it's not a surprise to me that he's on this list. And to the likings of others who don't think he should be on this list, think about it this way. Jay Cutler had to fight through all of your criticisms, all of your doubts about him, and he still had a semi-successful, just a, I wouldn't even say semi-successful, regardless of his performance and statistics, he had a successful career with the Bears. He was able to sustain a starting quarterback role for over six years with the Chicago Bears organization. Not a lot of players can say that. And so you, who always have to criticize Jay Cutler, reaches a point to where, like, he should be on this list because he's criticized so much and he fought through that. So I commend Jay Cutler for that. Um, so that's number 85 for Jay Cutler. Let's look at some other notables uh, on this list. So let's see here. Um, you got Tom Thayer at 84. I think he's a little bit over uh, underrated in that one. Um, you got Alshon Jeffrey, number 80, now current um, Philadelphia Eagle, um, who played against the Chicago Bears in the wildcard game last season um, in the loss for the Bears, of course. Thank you, Cody Barkey. Um, and that's that. So those are some of the notables right there. Um, other names are to the liking, uh, likings of number 99, Doug Plank, number what was it? Number 84, Tom Thayer. I just mentioned him. Uh, number 81, Brandon Marshall, wide receiver. Now, out of all the wide receivers I know of uh, in the modern era, uh, era of Chicago Bears history in the past few years, Brandon Marshall er, er, is one of those names that are notable for Chicago Bears wide receivers. So happy to see him on that list. So that's the notables on that list for Chicago Bears. Let's get into our next topic. Um, very quickly here. And I'm going to take a 30-second break um, to get to this topic. So I'm going to whip that into the break. We'll be right back with Chicago Wolves. I'm a champion. Real mechanism. Shaquille O'Neal for rat. That's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Alrighty, let's get into it. Yes, I've always wanted to intro this song. This is Kickstart My Heart, Motley Crue, taking us into some Chicago Wolves hockey talk. So if you ever go to like a Chicago Wolves game, which I have twice in the past week, um, you like get the pleasure to listen to that song as a not just the goal song when they score a goal, but before the game, they have this awesome um, pyrotechnic um intro that they do all the time and that's the song that they use kickstart my heart when i was a little kid 
I would always leave like the arena, not the whole arena, but like at least the ice level area because I was so scared of the the the, the noise, like the fireworks and everything. Um, it just freaked the all the 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 heck out of me. Um, but it's just so awesome now to see it because now I'm not so scared of it. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about the wolves. I'm not gonna really talk about what's going on in the season, otherwise, um, you guys aren't really as much paying attention to it. Uh, but I want to really like talk it up, like to understand for you guys to understand how much the wolves mean to me and how much that they should mean to you now, since the Blackhawks aren't really doing much. I mean, they're not even in the playoffs right now. So you got to look at a team that is in Chicago, that is a professional hockey team that has success right now. They are currently in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, in their 25th annual season, the Chicago Wolves have made it to the Conference Finals and are supposedly one of the more favorited teams to win the entire league. So the championship trophy is the Calder Cup trophy, um, and the last time the Chicago Wolves won it was in 2008. And guess what? I was there. <laughs> I was there for the three-home run game for Sammy Sosa, and I was there for the Chicago Wolves' 2008 Calder Cup championship um, that was against the Scranton Penguins. Uh, for those Office fans out there, Scranton has an AHL hockey team. Um, and the Wolves beat the Scranton Penguins back in 2008. Uh, and now here in 2019, it's the first time that the Chicago Wolves have made it to the conference finals since that championship run in 2008. And so I was able to either the last game they were in the championship um, rounds and now the first game in the championship rounds, which I'm very proud of myself to do because I, I'm, I, I'm a Chicago Wolves fan. Now, they are the feeder team, otherwise known as the affiliate down team, to that of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. It used to be the Atlanta Thrashers that turned into the Winnipeg Jets that then turned into the St. Louis Blues. Now, Las Vegas were able to control the Chicago Wolves, and I think it's half between now the Winnipeg Jets, and the Chicago Wolves, from my understanding. Um, so I think it's mainly the Las Vegas Golden Knights that is the feeder team for the Chicago Wolves. Um, so that's interesting because um, the team that really I'm supposed to root for, any Blackhawks fans that naturally should root for, is that of the Rockford Icehogs. Uh, and they didn't make it to the playoffs this year. And there's really no any other team that's, in Illinois, other than um, former, I think back in 2014, 2013, um, the Peoria Rivermen, um, which is now in a new league. I'm not quite sure what that league is called, but the Peoria Rivermen used to be the other AHL team in Illinois. Now they're not, so there's only two teams uh, from the AHL in Illinois, but they're all across the nation, um, and they're the feeder league to the NHL. Um, so the Chicago Wolves right now, they're 1-1, one and one against currently the San Diego Goals. Um, so they're going back to San Diego for three games, three potential for three no no matter what happens games. Then uh, a potential game six and seven back at the Allstate Arena, uh, and that would be next Monday, and I believe Tuesday or Wednesday would be game seven. But I don't expect that series to go seven. I really think that the Wolves can win it in six. Uh, based off what I saw and what the San Diego Goals can do, um, they have a great goaltender uh, in Glass and some other guy who just had a shutout uh, at Allstate 3 nothing the other day, who I think they're going to start from now on. So the Wolves have to focus on their offensive production going into this next three games in San Diego on the road. Uh, and San Diego, from the replays I've seen, 
uh, thus far for the playoffs in San Diego, they, they have a loud crowd. Um, usually those stadiums can pack in 10,000. I know Allstate Arena can go like, what, 16,000 fans? Uh, but usually on average they reel in, the Chicago Wolves reels in like, what, 10,000 fans to watch the game? So hopefully the Chicago Wolves can filter out the noise that is in San Diego and pull off a victory uh, there. We're going to pause for station identification. On behalf of Dibs, you are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk right here, ready to fall sports. Mexter's curling right side. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh, Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. All right, welcome back. That was our station notification here in the middle of the hour, middle of the show, basically, right here, Monday Man Sports Talk. On here, RadioDePaulSports.com, the Radio DePaul app, up until about 11.55, where we will then go into the next show here, Radio DePaul Sports. It's going to be the 91st Minute with Chris Gates, and then after that, it's Bella Michaels uh, with Talk Soccer to Me. So we got some soccer programs, which is why I'm not going to get into soccer today, because I usually do in my show, but don't worry. We got other shows here at Radio DePaul Sports, other great shows. Um, speaking of which, catch me later on today. Same streamways, RadioDePaulSports.com. Uh, at 5 o'clock, I'll be on with uh, Monday Sports Flash with Mark Salvo, Paul Rakowiak, and Josh Handelman, the newest edition. Uh, he was on the show last week, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and now we, and that was a ton of fun last week for Monday Sports Flash. So if you guys really want to have some fun, um, listen to some sports talk radio. Please tune in at 5. I'm really excited for it. Um, okay, so I got some Chicago Wolves uh, hockey done. Um, so I'm just going to conclude that by saying root for them. Just root for the Chicago Wolves. I don't care if they're not the NHL Blackhawks affiliate, but they got Chicago in front of their name. The Allstate Arena is a very accessible place via the blue line. Go up to Rosemont, take an Uber out to the stadium, or even drive. It's free parking this season for the 25th annual season. So go. They're basically telling you, like giving you the go-ahead with cheap tickets too, it's like fifteen bucks for a cheap ticket. I went to the game for three bucks because I have a guy. I got a guy. Don't worry. All right, so let's get into some NHL playoffs while we're on the subject of hockey, shall we? So, uh, the St. Louis Blues killed the San Jose Sharks by a score. I think it was five nothing yesterday in yesterday's game. Yeah, yeah, they take a three-two series lead. Um, going back to St. Louis. So on the road was, or at home was the Sharks, and they got shut out. Shut out! And now they got to go to Blue, the St. Louis tomorrow for a 7 o'clock puck drop and face the Blues at home. It's kind of a recipe for disaster, so the Sharks have to figure out how they have to come back from a 5 nothing win. A 5 nothing dagger going into a game 6 or 7 for a team is basically the definition of controlling the momentum. And that's what the St. Louis Blues has done. And obviously, uh, what these, uh, what should we call it? Boston Bruins, they've already done it. They've already, they've already won their conference finals. The Eastern Conference champions, Boston Bruins, are now going to be a representative of the East in the Stanley Cup Finals. So the pressure is on both of these teams to now make it because the St. Louis Blues are just sitting back in their class being like, hmm, all right, let's, let's see who we got next. And... 
the St. Louis Blues, I think, have the most pressure on them in that regard because the sooner that they can beat the Sharks, the better. And they have to do that tomorrow at home so that they can alleviate some pressure there. Uh, very important for that to happen. Um, so that's really the NHL playoffs. I really think that the Blues are going to win tomorrow. Consi- to that point, they feel the pressure that they need to now get the win so that they know that they're making it to the second round. But that's the beauty of also sweeping their opponent when the Boston Bruins swept the Carolina Hurricanes. They knew that they're already at, a, at an advantage. Now get home ice and now get some rest before uh, the play- before the finals. They get the chance to um, kind of recollect themselves, rest, and blueprint what they need to do to win. So I really think no matter what happens between the Sharks and Blues, I think the Boston Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. That's my hot take. Now we're going to go into some basketball. Um, so the NBA playoffs right now are, I pers- I mean, at this point, I mean, it was different last week when I was talking about the playoffs between NHL and, and NBA, but I really think that the NBA playoffs are showing itself off really, really well here in the conference finals. Even though, regardless, the Golden State Warriors and Portland Trailblazers, who tip off tonight at 8 o'clock in Portland, um, that's a still a great series. It could have easily been 2-1 Portland right now if Golden State wasn't a type of team to be able to come back from a 16-point deficit in a matter of three minutes. That's insane. You don't do that. That just doesn't happen uh, in basketball all the time. But that's what happened, I think, in Game 2. And even yesterday... Or not yesterday, sorry, a couple days ago uh, in Game 3. So, that just insane. And even that, the Warriors what down like 18 so or 20 points in like the second half. And then they come back and win by 11. 11 points on the road. Uh, obviously, I am ha- predicting heavily that the Golden State Warriors are going to make it to the NBA uh, Finals. I think... The record for a team trailing three nothing in a series is a hundred and oh zero wins and hundred and thirty five losses. No team has ever come back from a three zero deficit, and the Portland Trailblazers um, doesn't. They don't seem like they're in the right spot against the team like Golden State Warriors, who have the experience, who have the just what they need. <laughs> To not just be the Eastern Conference champions, but of course the NBA champions, have they as they have proved in the past two seasons. Um, but they're going to have to get through either the Bucks or the Raptors to win those finals. And I believe for and I'm going to say thank you, Charles Barkley, for reading my mind. That the I believe that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to win the NBA championship uh, just simply because. Um, they're really, really aggressive. They want to win it. Uh, you could tell that by how much they attack the paint. You watch that in the games. It's led, of course, by Giannis Antetokounmpo. I've as mentioned millions and billions of times. Um, getting the re- he's got what well, he got what like not as many points yesterday, but like what seventeen rebounds. That's insane. I have saying a lot of insanities today uh, here on Monday Mass Sports Talk, but it's true. Um, you don't, you don't. Oh no, sorry. Giannis had twenty three rebounds yesterday, plus six. He only had like what twelve points, but twenty three rebounds. 
Um, if he had more points, Milwaukee Bucks probably would have won the game. But uh, in overtime, the Toronto Raptor, Raptors prevailed and were able to uh, beat up on the Milwaukee Bucks uh, 118 to 112 and take advantage in overtime. However, that's an overtime win. Um, that's not going to constitute the type of win that you would get in regular in, in regular time. Uh, I've always said this, you know, it's always best to win in regular time so that you can assert the win. Um, in OT, you tied. You tied through four quarters and now made the best team win in a matter of five minutes. That's why I'm like in hockey or even soccer for that matter. Shootouts aren't that great. I love how in soccer you get the extra 30 minutes to prove yourself uh, to score multiple, if not just one goal, to win the game. But in basketball, it's the best of five minutes. I like that a lot, but you really have to assert a win to win in regulation. And uh, there has been no other overtime win in basketball uh, in the conference finals until yesterday. Um, yesterday's ball game that, that the Raptors won. Um, game four is going to be tomorrow in Toronto once again. That's going to be at 7.30. So the Milwaukee Bucks, if they can win that one, they, they got control of the series. Um, and if the Milwaukee Bucks shall win the NBA Finals, as I am predicting right now, um, as I would hope would happen, uh, they are going to uh, need to win the next two games to kind of enter into the Finals on a winning streak so that they have the momentum that they need to beat a team like the, Gold excuse me, the Golden State Warriors. Perfect timing we are at. It is 11.40 right now. I'm going to take a break. We got, I'm going to stay in basketball. We're going to talk some Bulls uh, coming up next and some other NBA stuff, uh, specifically the NBA draft, the lottery that happened last Tuesday night. Um, so we're going to get into that and more. We got about 15 minutes left in the program. You are listening to Monday Man Sports Talk right here, Radio DePaul Sports, Radio DePaulSports.com, and the Radio DePaul app. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up. Like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future. Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash. Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle, unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting. Don't be that guy, unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. Mexter's curling right side, drills the jumper. See what Struce does. He looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there. And one. Floater was wet. Struce is loose. Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struce on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now off top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move. Quick wow. move. Out of oh, control. Oh, my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. He finished off last. That is a new career high for Max Struess. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Thank you there, Tim Stebbins, the assistant GM here at Radio DePaul Sports, making that beautiful um, 
station identification on behalf of Max Struess, um, who is going to be, I would hope, an NBA player one day. Uh, any DePaul player that becomes an NBA player shall be uh, forever ingrained in DePaul history because um, making it to the NBA is really difficult. 99% of all players who are in college don't even make the NBA. And the NBA draft is the median to that of making the NBA. And that is the topic of discussion right now. My name is Noah Festenstein. You are listening to Monday Man of Sports Talk right here, RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. We're going to discuss the NBA draft, some Bulls talk, and how I think maybe the Bulls should treat this NBA draft considering their current placement in the NBA draft and their situation after the draft lottery. So here we go. So what the Bulls did this season is really, really complimentary to how they want to see their future. They fired their head coach, Fred Hoiberg, got Jim Boylan um, off the bench to be the head coach over this past offseason, have, I think, extended them to multiple years to be the head coach and to maintain a culture that the Chicago Bulls hope that is going to be made and that they, what they see in Jim Boylan. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people doubt that decision because Gar Pax and uh, for and Gar Foreman, um, what they do in the front office um, is questionable. And obviously, they're at a very interesting spot right now, considering that the Chicago Bulls have the number seven overall draft pick. What should they do with that draft pick? Well, they got a couple options. They use it to draft a top 10 draft player or trade it up and see what they can get in the in the draft. So <laughs> who knows? We'll, we'll see there. Um, it, uh, at that point of the season, or at this point of the off season, um, what the Bulls are going, what's what's going through the mind of the Chicago Bulls? Well, let's see. So we obviously know, uh, at least maybe some people know, what happened in the draft lottery. Well, here it goes. Number one, the New Orleans Pelicans have the number one pick, and the number one overall pick is supposedly going to be that of Zion Williamson, the power forward for Zo- for Duke, um, and. I don't think that there are rumors going around that saying, hey, Zion Williamson's not going to be going or not going to want to go to New Orleans or not going to want to go to the maybe such a Memphis or maybe he wanted to go to the New York Knicks who got third pick. Um, That's questionable. However, um, Zion Williamson is a freshman coming off of one of the best freshman seasons you'll ever see from a college basketball player who now has aspirations to just go straight into the NBA, which is, of course, in the blueprint for Zion Williamson. He doesn't want to go through three maybe other potential college years with the chances of maybe getting injured or losing his touch, per se. He wants to go straight in the NBA, and that's his goal. So regardless of the team that he's on, Zion Williamson is not going to care where he's at in the NBA draft. Um and now with the small market team that is the New Orleans Pelicans and the amount of questions behind what the New Orleans Pelicans can do with guys to the names of Anthony Davis, um, who may not want to stay in New Orleans. Um, so what – what? so did Anthony – wait, I, I want to see because I've heard rumors with Anthony Davis going um, – Wait, hold on one second. So is there – am I missing something here? Um, so the Boston Celtics, I believe, are rumored to try to trade for Anthony Davis. And 
there's rumors for that. I don't think it's happened yet or anything has specifically happened yet, but I believe rumors are going around that Anthony Davis is going to be traded to the Celtics and the Lakers are trying to trade people uh, as well, like Lonzo Ball. And that goes to the question of what should the Bulls do? What should the Chicago Bulls do? So to kind of go ride the express train down the rest of the NBA draft in the top 10, obviously the Pelicans got number one, the Memphis Grizzlies. So two um, small market teams that those players might not stay on. Um, so we got Zion Williamson with the New Orleans Pelicans. We got probably John Morant, point guard of Murray State, going to the Memphis Grizzly. Uh, Zion Williamson's teammate, R.J. Barrett, shooting guard for Duke. He's probably going to go to the New York Knicks at number three. The Los Angeles Lakers are probably going to get Virginia's DeAndre Hunter. Um, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers have got five. I'm guessing they're going to get Jarrett Culver, the shooting guard from Texas Tech, um, who led the Texas Tech team to a very good run in the March Madness tournament this past March. Number six, got the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I'm going to guess, hmm, I'm going to guess Siku Dumboya uh, from Guinea. That's what I'm reading about. Um, he was one of the leaders for Guinea who didn't really have that much of a successful season, but very notable player. Um, now, reaching the Chicago Bulls, if they use their seventh pick, they could get a guy like Cam Reddish from Duke. Cam Reddish maybe didn't play up to standards that Duke wanted him to play, but Cam Reddish is one hell of a player. Don't underestimate what what Cam Reddish can do. And literally, with the number seven pick, that's a steal for the Chicago Bulls. Maybe Cam Reddish is that guy, so don't second guess it. Um, That's what I I would want. If the Chicago Bears, uh, not the Bears, Chicago Bulls would draft anyone, it'd be Cam Reddish. Um... That, or maybe I would say, if you get the top 10 pick, I would say either Kobe White from North Carolina or um, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark, their power forward, because those guys really impressed me uh, in in the tournament from what I was watching them, um, and that our seniors going into the NBA draft, that could be top 15, top 10 picks um, the Bulls can take advantage. And if even the top six picks that I mentioned – uh, Siku Dumbayo or Jarrett Culver don't get picked. The Chicago Bulls have a chance for that. So the Bulls have options. They have options to also trade. But this, I mean, this draft could define what the front office and the Bulls have to react to this. They had a bad season. And with a bad season comes to the better possibilities of having a better draft pick in the draft. With the Chicago Bulls having top 10 in the draft, uh, it's it's something. It's not nothing. It's not like the Bulls got 11th, 12th, or 13th pick. They got 7th pick. And that would have been possible to get those picks. But they that didn't happen. Um, as much as the Chicago Bulls could have got top 5, it's disappointing that they didn't. I, I feel like 7th pick, come to think of it, gives them a little bit more flexibility. Because Chicago Bulls shouldn't feel so much pressure to have to trade a pick or even have to pick someone up so highly into the draft, I really think that Cam Reddish is going to come to the Chicago Bulls. Note me down on that. The third best player, supposedly, on the Duke squad that could have won the title this year should be going to the Chicago Bulls, Cam Reddish. Um, If the Chicago Bulls had number one pick, or if I even had number one pick, specifically the Chicago Bulls, I would have picked John Morant, point guard. The Bulls need a strong, aggressive point guard who can take the lead up into the paint, 
They can take take three, um, you know, shoot three pointers, everything. John Morant is like the Russell Westbrook right now of the NBA, and it's insane the amount of things that John Morant can do. Um, that's just to my likings at the least. Um, so that's that. Uh, I I really cannot stress enough that Chicago Bulls do have a pretty important decision coming up. I mean, not as much pressure as you would have in the top five, but there's still some pressure for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and this is, I think this draft this year is going to prove that to be so. Um, so that's my NBA discussion. Um, it's going to be an interesting draft this year. I'm really excited to see what happens, but the top three seem pretty predictable, and that Zion Williamson is going to go first, and I think second is going to be John Morant, and third is going to be R.J. Barrett. That's going to be the draft order for the top three, and then after that, it's going to be very interesting in what teams are going to pick. I think, like I said, DeAndre Hunter for the Power Forward of Virginia's championship team uh, is going to be on the Los Angeles Lakers, which is going to make for a very good team, a very good team. Um, so that's that. Uh, since I got about a few minutes left, might as well get one more topic in that I didn't really expect to get into um, today. I always like to talk about UFC Fighting Championship. Also, a very big night in boxing was on Saturday. Um, I want to get into that. So UFC had a fight night on Saturday night. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. I thought Kevin Lee was going to pull that win off, but in round four by submission, Rafael Dos Anjos won. Um, and that's really good for him because he's got great ground game, and that's what's so scary about him is uh, uh, Dos Anjos has, with the ground game, comes great responsibility, and Dos Anjos was able to take um, Kevin Lee off of his balance, get him to the get him on the ground, and take advantage and get the submission he was able to get. Other notable fights that night on Saturday, um, Antonio Carlos Jr. in middleweight, uh, fought Ian Heinich versus, uh, and that was a decision uh, on behavior on favor of Heinich. He's got a thirteen and one record, so uh, middleweight uh, has a fighter to look out for there. And uh, the last fight I want to mention is women's featherweight Megan Anderson, whose last fight in the UFC, her first UFC big fight event, she beat her opponent by a toe kick to the eye accidentally. It was an accidental, of course, but that won her the match. And I thought that was kind of um, kind of bogus. So I thought that she deserved a loss, this fight. And that was against Felicia Spencer, who is undefeated so far in UFC competition. Uh, so that's that. Um, so um, let's see what else I got. Uh, boxing happened on Saturday night. Uh, it was a championship event. Um, and I want to get into that for a quick second. If I can get to um, it. So the Boxing World Championship, uh, Wilder won first round. Uh, so I'm trying to get to the news. I'm, I want, I, there's a specific fight that um, I wanted to get into because I remember I was talking about the last fight. Um, Canelo Alvarez won, won, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, and Wilder. Wilder won on Saturday uh, on a fight that he quoted saying that he was going to kill his opponent in the ring uh, because he can, quote-unquote, quote legally do so. And he technically did. Um, 
So the, I think it was um, World Boxing Organization um, was the fight there. Um, so, so the thing I say about boxing, it can happen one or two ways. First round knockout, middle round knockout, or decision. And in this case, if you got a guy who says, oh, I'm going to kill you in the ring, be wary for a first-round knockout, which is to the right hand of Wilder, came around, and his opponent just couldn't get up. First-round knockout, and rounds are three minutes in boxing, so that's a, that's a, quick, that's a quick knockout. And that goes to show that he's got one heck of a right hand there. Um, so that's that. It's 11.55. That's it. That's the show. I appreciate you guys tuning in for the 132nd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk, the 25th here at Radio DePaul Sports. Had a lot of fun. So I look forward to next week's. Uh, and that's going to be 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, like every single week here uh, in spring quarter, which I'm very happy about. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. You have been listening to that of Monday Madness Sports Talk right here, Radio DePaul Sports, RadioDePaulSports.com, and the Radio to Paul app, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio to Paul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. All audio content presented in today's Monday Madness Sports Talk program ranged from No Copyright Sound Spectre, Kickstart My Heart Motley Crew, And thank you to MLB and the Chicago Cubs for their content of audio. This has been Monday Man at Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festestine right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app and podcasting on AnchorFM.com.